podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run. Yen Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Yo, what it do, what it do, what it do? Uh, it's your boy, yes. It is my voice, I'm not. Um, this is not fake news, I'm back. Um, it's your boy, Trebles, a.k.a. Don Antonio. Apologies for going missing like Lucas Moore in a Premier League game. Um... Right, here we are. We're back. And I have my two brothers with me. Um, NSO Sting, talk to the people, man. It's good to be back on, man. It's been a while, but always got to make time for it. And yeah, chat Spurs. Chat Spurs again. That's what we like to do. That's what we like to do. And we have here in live <laughs> direct. Um, for those watching, please, please send your comments in on the new New look sported by um, our dear Kevin Yash. Uh, brother, speak to us. I'm good, man. I'm good. Took a trip to Turkey. Follicles are back in that. You know them way there. No, this is what happens when you make bad predictions and they uh, they get proven wrong. Yeah, please, please explain to the people about this prediction and the reason why you were wearing such a horrendous wig. Let me get get this out of my face. Uh, yeah, man, I was on I was on the comments last week. I said uh, it take two more games for Conte to switch formation. It did indeed happen immediately when I said it wouldn't. Uh, and I'm a man of my word. I said I wear a wig on the pod. I didn't even have a wig in the house, so I had to source this bitch. And yeah, now we're here, innit? but I look more like my namesake, so it's it's all good, didn't it? Like, Everything yeah, is too soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the last ride. <laughs> yeah. Jack Knight's power bombs for everybody today. That's good, that's good, that's good. Guys, it's a week of, you know, game after game. We're in October, deep into the middle of October. Um, and as we expected, you know, the games are coming thick and fast. Uh Last time out, well, obviously last Thursday when we recorded, we were just coming off the back of a disappointing draw uh, with Frankfurt. After the um, obviously disappointment of losing the North London derby, so we go into the weekend, and as as you said, Sai, we 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 have a bit of a surprise with the three-five-two coming in for Brighton away. Uh, Brighton went into the game not having lost at home in a very long time. 
I think it was um, uh, seven months, I want to say. Obviously, that does it in um, that does include the summer where they weren't actually in the games. But they are a team who can spring a surprise, um, even under new management. Jack, talk to me. What what were your thoughts going into the game, especially after the week that we had had? I think that five in midfield was important. I think changing the structure, changing the um, the formation, packing in, uh, you know, that part of the um, that part of the pitch, and you know, in a team against a team that's very possession based, I think that was key, and you know, key to narrowing sort of passing lanes for them, and um, just getting getting Basuma back as well and more integrated into the side. I think that was quite important. So I think. A combination of getting people into the side and grinding out a result, a result that's hard to get. Weren't we the last team to um, to actually win there as well? Um, what was it us? Could be, could be. I'll get our researchers on it. I remember that, but um, but yeah, it's good to get a result that many people, many teams don't get. So yeah, again, this is a fixture. Before the season started, I thought, yeah, this is one you'd probably have to grind out. Um, based on the squad that we've got and you know what we've done before, so yeah, good result. Or you know, I wasn't happy at the time, but then you know, in hindsight, I realised, yeah, it's it's a, it's probably the kind of performance you kind of expect. You know, before it was probably the disappointment of you know Frankfurt and Arsenal the previous week that probably led them to my annoyance at the time. But yeah, good result, needed result, and I think we need to start. Utilizing that three five two a little more in a more positive way, but we'll speak on that a little later. Yeah, sorry. And what's your thoughts about this this fixture? Because for me, I, I always get nervous before Brighton. They they make me feel a bit like how South Southampton make me feel. Maybe it's something to do with the South Coast. Um, but Southampton is one of them teams that sometimes they just spring a bit of surprise, beat us two one three one, uh, Ward Pass with a late free kick or something. Um, one of them games that the, the longer it stays nil-nil, the more nervous I get. Um, the likes of a Trossard um, and Tribune, that's about it, who can punish us um, with, with a moment of, of real quality. You know, um, nothing fluke about the way he plays. And obviously we've seen him score three against Liverpool uh, just the week before. What were your thoughts going into the game? Um, and as the lineup was was announced, Maybe just touch on that three five two before we go into a bit more in depth later. I think I was I, was, I wasn't particularly worried. Um, I'll be honest, and that's largely because of the fact that one of the things that made Brighton particularly special was Graham Potter, and he's not there anymore. Um, tactically, obviously, they set up in a very f- similar fashion to how we do albeit with uh, uh, more of an onus on uh, technicality than PMP and direct play from back to front. So, um, yeah, go, going into it, I just felt like we just had to nullify their threats more so than we have in previous tides. And obviously the, the formation shift and the changes that were made contributed to us, by and large, executing on that albeit with, with the game not being all that comfort, uh, comfortable for us. Yeah, and I mean, one of the changes in, in terms of lineup was force upon us. Um, actually, let's speak on both the changes at the full-back position. So Perisic wasn't, uh, didn't, didn't play, didn't, don't think he even came on. Um, Perisic wasn't, wasn't there in the starting lineup. 
Um, so Ryan Sessler comes on the left. And number two, Matt Doherty, he was there on the right filling in for Chicken Royale. Um, thoughts on that, lads? Um, I mean, we've all debated in the group chat about Jed Spence. Um, I think there's we, no all pretty much, we <laughs> all pretty no. much agree that there is no Spence. Um, there's no expense spared um, in terms of his playing time. Uh, but still, are we surprised to see Doherty get the run out? Were we maybe thinking Perisic might get on the right? What, what are we thinking? Because it was only about 10 days ago that uh, Conte said that he's not silly and doesn't want to lose games uh, by no. playing Matthew. <laughs> Number two, Matthew, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I think... Um... There was that run before his injury last season he was getting and I think that that contributed to him being the next starter after Chicken Royale. So I think, um, and we saw a bit of form there as well. I think going forward, I think I think Leicester game was probably the, the turning point at, at that time for him uh, in terms of not being renowned as number two for some people or for, for many of us in the, in the chat. But... Um, I think that probably contributed to him being next in line after Chicken Royale, which is very weird to say. Um, that that that's sad. That's just it's a sad thing um, to be next in line after him. But yeah, it, he got into good spaces as well. But the problem is the Bozo, It was the Bozo gene at the end, wasn't it? Um, I think getting it first, hitting it first time to Kane early on in that first half. I think. It's a combination of you know him being a bozo, but also lack of sharpness. You know, maybe uh, more match fit. Number two hits that in um, early, but it. W- I can't really. Say- what can you do? What can you compare him to? Really, I mean, he wasn't horrid defensively, um, as we've seen before. He, you know, that is that is going to be his weakness. He is a wing back by trade, so yeah, it was good to see him. Oh, I don't say it's good to see him get minutes, but it's good not to see Chicken Royale in the lineup. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, this 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 uh, vendetta that's going on is hilarious to me. I can't lie, man. Obviously, the the change is enforced by the red card, which obviously got debated left, right, and center, and vindicated a lot of people's opinions. But again, if we're if we're really going to say that in any capacity, Doherty is an upgrade on Emerson would be disingenuous in my opinion. I did expect to see Perisic start because that 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 is what we've seen so far this season. Um, and obviously with Conte's comments around Doherty, there was obviously a little bit of a, a dark cloud uh, above, above his name. But I mean, you do what you got to do in those situations. You have to rotate. Um, We've criticised Conte at length for not rotating and using the, the the full depth of his squad. So it was good to see him showcase some adaptability, albeit forced by injury, forced by red cards. Um, for me, though, I think the biggest the biggest thing was how we actually lined up on the pitch. Like I. I've been saying for quite some time that when we do play the fourth, uh, three four three, I expect to see whoever's playing on evil evil wing more likely the right hand side because Sun isn't renowned for his defensive uh, duties or anything to do with that side of the ball. 
I do expect the right wing to actually tuck in and make a three in midfield. So lining up with that, naturally, you get a bit more control in the game. You look a bit more stable defensively. And ultimately, your uh, strikers are closer to goal in transition opportunities. So we saw that throughout the course of the game, which obviously made me quite happy. Um, but at the same time, it's clear that we're not comfortable in that shape uh, to the point where we can lean on it every game. Um, and obviously, we don't necessarily have the quality in that midfield to sustain that over the course of a season. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was it was positive to just see something a little bit different and not have to speak about the same exact uh, mm. path of game f for one game week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. You know, to to see some sort of <clears throat> tinkering, um, see some sort of you know flexibility from Conte was was nice, um, and actually putting in a right wing back at right wing back um, instead of you know trying to shift Perisic over and and, and making making a story out of nothing um, where it doesn't need to be. That's kind of positive, I guess. Um, we win the game 1-0. We only have three shots on target in the whole game. Only eight shots. Do we? Is that because of that unfamiliarity with the system, do you reckon? Is it because maybe we weren't necessarily used to some of the combinations in that 3-5-2? You know, only getting eight shots in the game. I know it's away from home, but still it is Spurs and you would expect maybe a little bit more, um, especially with the quality we've got with Harry Kane, Son, that kind of thing. Um Anyone want to speak on that? What, what, what were your thoughts about the lack of real chance creation? It's one of those where I think that, I don't know if it's by, it could be by instruction, where we choose the games that we press in and we choose the games where obviously we're much more passive in, obviously. And um, there probably was the element of, let's focus on Frankfurt, get the result there and grind this one out as much as possible. Don't exert too much energy. Make sure that we're set for that game on Wednesday. Um, I think there was an element of that um, involved, I feel. Um, the formation again, like I said, not listen, lack of familiarity. I think um, that probably contributed to lack of patterns of play going forward. And again, poor decision-making as well. I think there was some poor decision-making going forward. I don't think it was entirely by design that we sit back. And uh, to me, that's down to, you know, again, just either sharpness or the bozo gene, if you want to call it that, or just, you know, lack of quality um, at times. Uh, so I think it's one of those, it's one of those where we just weren't as good as we should have been on the day, but we still got, got the result. And again, by design, it's not, it's not by design. I think, we could be more efficient if we really wanted to and if we really, you know, in better form. So, yeah, yeah I think it's that. For me, the story over the last three or four games has been we actually transitioned the ball to the final third quite well. But as soon as it comes to the killer ball, there's either too much or too little on it or the decision is just jank. Um, obviously, you pointed out quite early the Doherty opportunity to cross the ball in first time again that that pretty much set to set to opportunity on the plate we know that he has quality to find a man on a cutback 
Um, but there were ample opportunities where Sun, again, just can't seem to play play a pass to anybody. To be perfectly honest, like it's just it's just totally disappeared from his game entirely this season. I have not got a single memory of him playing a quality pass over the course of the season. He's had a couple of crosses, which fair enough, you could say it's type of pass, cool. But at the same time, in in open play, uh, when we are transitioning quickly, it's looked really really spooky for him. And I, I I don't know what I don't know what to make of it entirely. Maybe maybe he's playing a little bit too deep at the minute. I know the last few seasons he's played extremely high up the pitch. He's played on the shoulder. He's been the guy to finish moves more than he has been the guy to combine. But yeah, I I, I don't think there's an excuse for it at present, other than he needs to uh, consult his father, stop doing shooting drills, and just go back to basics. Um, because yeah, it's looking nasty. Yeah, he's he's killed. He's killed so many of our attacks this season, and it. Just, I don't know what. Again, can't really pinpoint what what the reason is, but I think it's just making me lean more and more towards him being more of a just a striker, a forward, a, a yeah. behind the line type of player. And I think yeah. that we've got to try and in this form, we've got to try and utilize that as much as possible and put him as close to the goal and, and as close to the centre-backs as possible now because it is getting jarring and I think we've got better quality, you know, in Kulisewski um, and in Kane behind that to actually um, provide that supply. So I think we should try and make more effort make more effort doing that because we're seeing our attacks being absolutely, you know, bam- you know murdered by his poor decision-making. Yeah, we saw it in the Arsenal game, didn't we? Um, the amount of times the ball came into him and he, he turned, they're backing off because obviously they know he's got the, the pace to kind of and, and the trickery to get past them. And then he's gone to make a pass and it's just like, bruv, who was that to? <laughs> you know, Shaq is picking it up and going, oh, thanks, mate. You know, um, it's interesting that, you know, do we just keep him in that really high, um, high and wide or even high central if we're going to 3 5 2 position? Um, and, and really emphasise the whole cane dropping deep. It seems like at the moment, <clears throat> especially watching the Bayern game, that they're alternating, not necessarily one goes one, you know, one, one, one. But in the sense that every, you know, every so often that pass going in could be to Son, sometimes it is to Kane. Um, do we just negate that and say, right, you know, Kane's obviously got the quality to hit a pass off both feet. He can turn either way. Has the confidence to do that and you can find players. Even that has dwindled a bit, though. Like, yeah, it has. I think he's been culpable too. Yeah, but I also think, um, as much as he's had some really horror shows for you know, whether it be a whole game or long stretches of a game, I also think people are people know that part of his game, so they're placing midfielders in in the way they're placing, um, they're cutting off those passing angles, they're cutting off his turn, um, they're forcing him to take more touches than than he'll probably want to take. Um, so we do need an extra person who can hold the ball up if we're going to still play that quite direct pass from, you know, somebody in centre-back when they long lay plays a really nice pass um, yesterday in the Frankfurt um, return fixture, um, you know, straight into our strikers. If we're going to do that, Son either has to fix up or, you know, we need another player who can 
really receive the ball under pressure, turn and then get us moving uh, with some sort of um, impetus. Uh, we're going to say just quickly on the Brighton game, uh, a couple more minutes. Yves Saint Laurent, uh, Yves Basuma, um, we saw a sighting. I think it was his third appearance this season. Um, a player who was signed with so much hype, 25 million, what a snip. We thought this was it. Our midfield would be revolutionised forever. And it's been a massive slow burner. Yes, there's been rumours of COVID. Yes, there's been rumours of injury. Um picking up little knocks here and there. But regardless, he played on on he played on Saturday against his old club. Um thoughts on his performance. Um lads, I'll throw it over to you. Thoughts on his on Basuma's performance on Saturday? I think he I think he played okay. I think it was a good it was about a six out of ten, six six point five out of ten sort of settled in. <laughs> no, that's not the transfer window, by the way. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think he, I think he was alright. He, you know, he, he was settling in. I think he was cutting passing lanes pretty well. I think the booking probably was a bit annoying. It was quite premature, unnecessary as well. I think, um, but otherwise, you know, I, th- I think he's there's still obviously a lot of integration to be, to be worked on. Uh, I still don't know how that dynamic of him, um, Benting, Benten, and. Um, Toybia will work. I still don't know what their roles will be if they are all three in the midfield. I think he needs to be the deepest player, in my opinion. I think um, having Toybia and Ben Ten as presses is probably what we what would work best personally. But he played okay. He played okay. It didn't set the world alight by any means. But let's hope that you know that integration allows him to become the player we know he can be. Yeah, I think it was, it was, it was quite an interesting one. I think on, on the yellow card thing, uh, Tops aptly uh, pointed out first game of the season, he said, whenever Basuma plays, he will get booked within the first 25 minutes of a game and it will hinder it will hinder the team. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't. He was right. He was right. Brother Tops. Brother Tops, uh was very, very, very uh, correct in that uh, prediction. So that that that's one thing that I think uh, makes us play with a little bit less freedom when he's on the pitch. Um, he is already establishing himself as the most disciplined of the three. Um, he is able to collect the ball from the centre-backs pretty easily, uh, find passes on the turn, can use both feet, can play one-touch passes, can find like little gaps to thread the needle, um, albeit not with killer balls between the lines, but to just free a man who is uh, making a run. And those those things sometimes go under underrepresented in our team and they get underappreciated at Spurs. Uh, so a lot of the little things that he does, I think, is more so around the freedom that he affords the players around him. We saw Bentoncourt often take up the spaces that Kulisevsky takes up uh, both in defensive phase and in uh, high pressing situations. So that in itself lets you know that there's a certain level of confidence that the team has around Bissouma and also it it unlocks certain facets of our game that naturally, uh, if if you're not really confident in the likes of Hoybier being that water carrier, then players like Davis are a little bit more reluctant to bomb forward and things like that, which 
again, these are these are things that are built into Conte's system that we need to lean on in order to enhance that creativity. So I, I don't feel like he's set the world alight. I, I think I think the the rating is pretty average. Um, wherever you scale that, whether it's a six or a seven, what take your pick. But at the end of the day, I think he's he's got to establish himself as a linchpin in his side because I think he does a lot in the way of unlocking the players around him. And we can use somebody who just adds a bit of stability to that midfield. And we've got to remember also, he's a player that wants, you know, that thrived off a team that demands the ball, demands keeping the ball and, you know, plays a bit higher up the pitch. Um, and when he receives the ball, he's receiving the ball in deeper positions now. So he's got to get adjusted to doing that a lot more in most games, I feel. So, um, and obviously when we do have games where the onus is on us to have the ball, that's where we should hopefully see the best of Basuma. Um, so, in the, and in the pressing team as well um, with, you know, Ben 10 and Toybe, if they're the ones that are chasing the ball and if he could receive that ball, if we as a team can receive the ball and he's on that, he, he'll be able to pick that pass. So, Again, we've got to make, we've got to think about that as well, and I think in time, hopefully, he gets that integration. Yeah, I remember there was a video from uh, preseason in Korea um, where they were just—I think they were doing pattern pattern work on the pitch. Obviously, so you got your eleven, <clears throat> and Basuma was picking up the ball in those deep areas, and he kept—I think he made the wrong pass twice in a row. And you can hear Conte going mad at him from the side, you know. And I can obviously we, we all know the 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 element of automation in, in Conte's system. Um and it's evidenced by the fact that the likes of Hoyberg, Benton, wherever you think of them as players, they know the system, they know where the passes should be, they know where to position themselves, they know where to receive the ball, the angle, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um and I think we're now in that position where it's, it's very evident when Basuma comes on, even last night, um, that he still is learning the system. You can t- see his passing is not as automatic um, and that probably affects the overall rating um, and, and the way he can perform, in addition to obviously getting an early yellow. Um, but it was good to see him. It's him on the pitch, uh, 3-5-2, get the 1-0 win. Son and Kane linking up again and extending their record in the Premier League. Um, and we move on Champions League this is what we wanted um, last season this is what we were going for once we saw top four was open um, we achieved it we're in a relatively easy group but Conte doesn't have a great record in Europe uh, he doesn't have a great record in Europe could it be because he doesn't make the right subs? Is it because his players are tired by the time he's you know, playing two times a week for six, seven months? Could it be that his system just doesn't work on the European stage? We don't know. Maybe we will be the ones to buck the trend, as it were. But we go into the Frankfurt game needing a win after last week's draw. It was still pretty much in our hands. And I know a lot of the Spurs players were posting about the positives getting a win, sort of getting a draw away from home, not losing that whole kind of Alex Ferguson. Make sure you win your game, your home games. Don't lose your away games. We're going to our home fixture against uh, Frankfurt, obviously last year's Europa League winners. What were people's thoughts uh, going into that? Were we confident 
did you think after last week's game and after the Brighton win that we've maybe turned a corner from the North London defeat? Or were we nervous again going into the game? Um, I wasn't that nervous, to be honest. I thought we probably will get a result. In our home games, I think we will find a way to win. I think there will be... It won't be, you know, it was a typical performance of, we weren't, it weren't pretty, it was never going to be, you know, a game where we're going to be rip-roaring, but it was a game where I felt, it, you know, we are a team based on moments and I feel that is what wins us games. Um, and that happened in that first half. We were very good though. We, I think Side pointed out in the chat, it was that 3-4-3 that allows us to press a lot better. We have a front three, we have a system where, uh, or we have a set of players that are able to push and win that ball forward early. And I think that that worked in, in our favour in that first half and we got the goals that we needed. Um, so, yeah, that first half filled pretty much all of us with a bit of conf- with confidence um, throughout. So, it was a great, great even though, you know, the pr- <laughs> I still think, I still think there is an issue with, again, reacting, not being proactive, but being reactive. Again, it took a goal for us to, yeah, we you know, started slow, didn't we? Started slow, and then, and I think that's that has been typical of us. It's been typical of us for a while, even under Jose. I think the one game that really annoyed me about it was was when we got knocked out by Norwich in the cup, um, where we were so pa- ridiculously passive, and then suddenly when they got their equaliser, we started waking up. Um, and I don't know if that's by design or if that is the players, if that's the mentality in this of the the actual squad itself I can't tell I can't tell because it's happened under you know previous managers so that's something that is a bit of a red flag for me and not to mention that second half and I'm sure Sai will talk about that but yeah that that's a that's a different conversation I think I think this game more than any other this season has highlighted how the 343 is supposed to be used uh, because, yeah, my, my biggest observation was naturally when we, when, we, when we play this system week in, week out, our defensive shape ends up being a flat five, a bank of four, and one man just sort of on an island by himself. Nobody gets out. Nobody pushes high up the pitch. Nobody cuts past in lanes. Everyone just sort of recesses, creates a low block, and just soaks up the pressure. And listen, there's some credence to it. We've been winning games. But if you're going to look at the system and you're going to look at what made it effective when we played it under Pochettino or how Conte implemented it at Chelsea, there was a lot more moments where players would hunt for the ball and create situations to win the ball high and break on the counter high up the pitch. Obviously, naturally, we, we, we're not the most technical team but we can create havoc. We can cause problems. And if you win the ball high, there's less passes that you need. So naturally, you don't have to worry as much about stringing passes together to to get further towards goal. And we saw that instantly yesterday. Uh, obviously, we did go down down quite early. Um, but Bentoncourt started the game like a man possessed, uh, was running all over the pitch was was intelligently pressing adre- aggressively and Hoybier in a lot of instances, even in the lead up to uh, the spell that sort of led to their goal, 
his lack of discipline ends up costing us because once once you break the first line, so once once the Sun, the Kane, the Benton Core, and whichever wing back goes forward, once you beat that press, all you have to do is get around Hoybier. And you know that he's going to get pulled towards the ball and you know he's going to start pointing and dictating where other people should be. And naturally, <laughs> we're going we're, we're gonna to have a, a, a group of players up against our centre-backs who, in a lot of instances, can make some pretty rash decisions. Um, for their goal in particular, I know I know everyone sort of disagreed with me when I said that Romero's pass was shit, but I don't understand why a centre-back feels the need to disguise a square ball across his 18-yard box. I don't understand that. Like, can someone explain that to me? Because... As bad as Dyer's touch was, and as culpable as he is for that moment, if if you're not in a position to receive that ball, and there's a man pressing you, is 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 the onus not also on the person that played you the ball? Were there not other options? I want to open that one to the floor because that sort of shit bugs me. You'd want your centre backs to be competent enough not to 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 have you know it wasn't. It wasn't like he was being man marked by the forward, you know. He hit the play, you know. Their forward was far enough for him to take a take a touch, take a bit of time, and move that ball forward. And you want competent centre backs who are good on the ball and who are I don't say press resistant, but not a bo- not not bozos in that, in a sense. Yeah, but I I think I I see what Sai is saying. I see what he's saying. I see what he's the, saying. The pass in itself wasn't great. So yes, you want. You said that you want competent, um, competent ball playing centre backs or press resistant, or whatever. But the very fact that Romero played the crap pass may have actually hurt the move. And and the thing is, for me, from a coaching perspective, right? I mean, I hate square passes as it is, um, and at, at all levels, and you know, the levels that I coach at, you know, guys like my my story, we always say it's square passes kill us. If you're going to do it. It has to be done well. Like, you have to, you know, we call it, we see it as a point of respect. Respect your teammate enough to give them a good pass so that you give them 95% chance to do the right thing with it. Or even if they do the wrong thing, it doesn't kill them because there's enough weight on the pass, et cetera, et cetera. My, my frustration with the whole conceding that goal was that we knew what Frankfurt were doing. Like, we knew that the moment there's a sniff, they're going to press. They're, they're going to jump on that. Like, you know, I think even the commentary uh, for those of us who weren't at the game, they said that how the coach last week came out of the game and was like, oh, I've seen some things that we can work on and we're going to make some changes. And one of the changes is that their middleman at the, at the front was pressing our centre-backs. They didn't really do that much last, last week. So from the first 15 minutes, you, you see it happening, <laughs> you know. And my thing is, we're sometimes slow to react. And we see it in games like a Brighton game, a Southampton game, a Newcastle game, where it's like, can you not see what they're doing? Like, we're so stuck in our ways, and it could be because of a lack of maybe technical ability or confidence in our technical ability that that sometimes happens. But, yeah, it was just annoying to see that we didn't react quick enough to what was quite evident you know, from the first 10 minutes of, of play. Um, but yeah, we concede. But then I was impressed by our reaction. 
you know, and it's almost like we just, not necessarily took the, uh, took the brakes off, but yeah, we went for it. We actually, you know, looked like the players actually looked around and went, right, we've got to dig ourselves out of this hole. Um, and obviously we get the, the, the quick kind of, well, we got three goals in, in 20 odd minutes or whatever um, to, to get that, to get us, you know, get us going and then get us into the second half. Um, so is, is it a case of that we think 3-4-3 is still our best formation, guys? Is you know, looking over the past two two games, obviously we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, yesterday's game. But would you guys say, just a hand on heart, it's got to be 3-4-3? Three, three, or are you seeing 3-5-2 in Basuma with the additional Basuma as the way forward? Does that mean we shift Kulisevsky? What do we do with Kulisevsky? Do we put him um, in Owen's position um, at the right wing back? Or do we keep him as an option? What, what do we do? I, I don't see any any combination of players that warrants Kulisevsky not playing the position that he's played with us since he joined. Uh, Richarlison is not better at any single thing than Kulisevsky. Uh, Kulisevsky has established a good partnership with Emerson, who is clearly first choice right wing back. He's established a good partnership with Hoybier and Bentoncourt and also with his strike partners. So for me, there's no conceivable reason for us to change system if it means Kulisevsky isn't one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, and then when you, when, when you do look at the blend of midfield, you need a little bit more... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of functional midfield, right? Like, I, I have no issue with that. I'm not wedded to this idea of creative centre mid, midfielders or the quote-unquote number 10s. I think there's enough creativity around the team if you get players in the right positions to where we don't need to dictate the game from midfield, right? So for me, if you play Kulusevsky on that right-hand side and tell him in defensive phases to tuck in and tell Son and Kane to play as a two when, we, when we're without the ball, what is the difference from starting with a three in midfield? There is no difference. There is absolutely no difference. All you have to do is bank on the fact that the wing-backs are going to be uh, astute enough tactically tactically to know the moments when to go forward and supplement the attack and I think that for me is the biggest thing we need to just start to establish more controlling games to get those players forward and then I think that formation is 100% the one that works best for the squad and for what Conte is trying to achieve I hear that I want to throw something else in response to what you just said you mentioned about the levels of creativity within the team I struggle to see that in the sense of, yes, we know from the left wing back position we can get creative. We and he's making some really smart decisions. Other times, maybe not. But the right wing back channel, I don't see the creativity coming down there. If I'm honest, obviously, well, we with the eighteen spent. We've seen um, we've seen Emerson and, and Kulisevsky uh, combined to good effect throughout the season. Kulisevsky. For me, I think it's a bit reductive for us to isolate isolate a single player's creativity to like a function of a whole wing, right? The, the whole idea for that right-hand side is for Emerson to give Kulusevsky more license to just 
do what the fuck he wants. So when Kulusevsky stays out wide, Emerson comes on the, in, on the underlap. When Kulusevsky comes infield, Emerson is way more comfortable going out on his shoulder. So that in itself is a facet of our game that constitutes his creativity because it opens up gaps for other people. It puts you in positions in the final third to have a little combination play and actually get balls in into uh, the box. If we're looking at Richarlison and Emerson, that's where you get a total lack of creativity because there's no partnership on that side. Richarlison doesn't have the quality to pick the ball up on the turn, find a pass, have intricate combination play. And he plays way too close to the other two forwards. So for me, like, yes, in an ideal world, you'll have mirrors on both sides of, 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 of your wings. But how often do you actually get that in modern football? I don't, I don't think it I don't think it's that often. You don't get mirror images. A Trent and a, and a Robertson are chalk and cheese when it comes to the defensive side of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think for me, I'm just addressing the creativity side. Yeah, no, I get you. I don't think, you know, a lot of the times when I'm we feel concede... feeling myself. I've got hair today, man. <laughs> a lot of times when we concede, okay, there might be a sloppy area, ever, Hugo Luis, you know, slips on the ball, whatever the case may be. But the, the ability to control a game, yes... We may concede control because of the, the way we set up our midfield or the type of players we have in our midfield. We concede control, but like you said, I just wanted I wanted to unpack what you meant about the creativity in the team. And if you are saying that actually Emerson's positioning and and maybe the runs he makes, where he picks up the ball, yes, he's not playing a killer thirty he's, forty yard pass. Technically awful. He's awful technically. He has zero quality when the ball is at his feet. He needs to increase that by about 25% and he'll be a serviceable right wing back. I don't care what anyone says. If you get in positions to, to be an influence in the final third, all you need to be able to do is either cut back or hit the back stick. That's it. That's all you need to do. Just flash the ball low and hard across the face of goal and players need to commit. But, but he doesn't get do at least that. five assists per season just, just off of that shit. But he doesn't do that. That's the thing, and he's but been he, there. He, he does make he's, an attempt to. He, he makes an attempt to, but that's 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 hot. That's that's not his. Right, so his job is to do it. it. Isn't isn't to attempt to do it? And I think every player's every player in our team's job is to function well, not to attempt to function well. It isn't the intention or the work rate that we just want? We want function on top of that, on the ball, off the ball, whatever it is. And he doesn't bring that. He is awful on the ball when in a Conte system our wing backs need to be they don't, they don't need to be amazing on the ball but they need to be somewhat competent on the ball because they're going to have so much of it and Emerson has so much of it and does so little with it that it it's credit to Kulisevsky that we can say Emerson's off the ball runs allow Kulisevsky to do what he does so with a competent right wing back imagine the damage that can be done imagine the threat that can be done. And imagine, obviously, teams push their push, you know, push their sort of eleven towards our, our left hand side. They you know go to Perisic's side or whatnot. They're comfortable with having Emerson on the ball. And if you're able to have two competent players on each side, you're able to stretch that defense a little bit more. It, they're still compact slightly. On it's almost like a lopsided compaction if that makes sense, that they're happy to stay 
they're happy to stay on the left hand side. I don't I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. And that's, that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. I'm thinking like when we play the better teams who know right, stop Kane dropping deep, uh stop Perisic or whoever's on that left. We trust them to try to get the ball to Kulisevsky with Hoiberg, you know, trying to win it off three players and overloaded midfields, whatever. They gotta go for a long ball from Dyer, Romero, Lengley whoever's in our back three, or they've got to go through Emerson. And I think, you know, from the the, t- the times when we haven't performed, which hasn't been many, and we are nitpicking here because like we like we said earlier, we are winning games. Okay, we haven't actually lost a lot of games in the past six, seven months of football. So, you know, we could be we could be being really unfair in some respects. But I think I'm just thinking about those the better teams, the the better managers the better systems that we come up against and how some of these things can be exposed because I think that also sometimes contributes to some of those periods in games where we just we just fall apart or we can't string anything together it's because they make a slight tactical adjustment. Maybe it's coming out after half time or maybe just to start the game. They're, they're actually being really diligent with their roles, which is why we look so bad. And then when they make a few mistakes, all of a sudden Son's in on the back post, and he's scoring a worldy volley or whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's 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 where I was getting at. Just to again, your your views on the creativity is, is yours, but for me, I'm just like I feel like it can get very predictable because I think he gets he he, he is definitely being he's he's being scapegoated during a period where I feel like if we're talking about chance creation and being wasteful in the final third. Emerson is a contributing factor, but he's not the only one doing it. And he's not even doing it at the highest clip because he doesn't get forward as much as the other man. You're talking Richarlison has not done anything since his since his brace, pretty much. You, we're seeing Harry Kane's hold-up yesterday drastically improved, but he misses a penalty and he fucks up across to Brian Hill in the dying embers of the game, which would have would have made it a hell of a lot more comfortable. And Son has had two good performances this season. Like that, that's that's the levels we're talking about. Then we're then we're looking at guys like uh Brian Hill, who again, yesterday he looked better, but in, in the game previously looked like he was a year six player, like running into players, falling all over the place, no strength, no balance, no nothing, no impetus. Obviously. Lucas Moura is another one of those players who, no matter what he does, no matter what the context of the situation, if he runs the ball out of out of the pitch, surrounded by three men, because Harry Kane's dawdling back to get back from an offside position, he's going to be the one that's singled out. I don't like these players, but I have to objectively stick up for the fact that they're not playing any worse than anybody else. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not responsible for the success and failure of the team in isolation. If anything, you look to your star players to be that that elevation point where when when games are tight, those are the players that step up. But we're literally asking Emerson Royale to be our saving grace in a lot of instances or fucking Jed Spence to be our saving grace or Matthew Doherty or whoever else plays that right wing back. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's ridiculous personally. And... Yeah, I, I think part of that, though, you can say part of that is that because we maybe extend a lot more grace to a son or Kane or whatever. Because but we why? Know the because why is that how it works? And get to, 
and we expect that at some point they will switch on. Maybe it is, and I'm not saying that I can't speak for everyone. Maybe it's Remerson. We're like, you know, this is it. This is what we will have to live with until we get a quote-unquote better right wing back in in to to do what we maybe would need to have from that position. Maybe we're okay. looking at like I'm I'm sure we've we've been critical of Son over the past few weeks. We know what has been said in the group chat um, about Son. You know, we know certain people's views on on Kane. Shout out to Yao. Um, like it's not like we're not going to critique, but I feel like sometimes when you know a player has X amount of ability to even in the same game drastically um, improve their performance from this, you know, from the twenty-minute mark on to this, you know, because when you see those things happen, I feel that like you give them a bit more trust, a bit more grace. I just, I just think there's there's a level of objectivity when 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 our when our system is set up to be a certain level of pragmatic pragmatic and we know that uh chances by and large are going to be quite finite unless uh a team spreads cheeks for us like you have to look at the highest level of competency in your team to pull everyone through and that 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 for me is the most important thing uh, credit in the bank all of these things are, are are lovely like i've been i've been one of those people who will give people extended grace if I like their play style or if I have a bit of patience or compassion for their situation. But the fact Very of the matter is we are we are literally in a situation where our two best players over the course of a 90-minute period look incompetent for at least 80% of it. And instead of us just focusing on how can how can those players combine better how can those players be higher percentage we're literally talking about the worst player in our team and that that to me is disingenuous personally if even even if you look at it like guys like guys like Romero right Romero is beloved by by all of all of our fan base because he's hard in the channel he's a good looking dude charismatic on the pitch shows a bit of quality he's he's made more mistakes this season did he than he did in the entirety of last season. His decision-making is poor. He's been rash in the challenge. He's attacked in moments where we need to be uh, a little bit more competent defensively, and it doesn't get pointed out. What gets pointed out is, oh, Emerson, why have you made a cha challenge in, in the opposition half and unfortunately raked the player? It's like, come on, man. Like, we're, we're we're adults. We're adults. The majority of us are adults, isn't it? Like our our fan base are not young bucks by and large, but it's easy to pile on to the shittest player in your team and pine over a kid that's only played Champions League football, Championship football, instead of just saying, "All right, cool, he's bad. How do we pad that out? How do we figure out other ways to make it work? How do we get Hoybier in more positions to be?" an influence in the final third? How do we get Romero on the underlap? Like, there's other things we can do. It doesn't have to be solved by that position alone. That, that for me, is the biggest point. I don't, I, I don't think that... We've complained about Emerson a lot, right? And I don't think there's an issue with that at all. I think... Like you said, he is probably our he is our worst player going forward. Until but, until but, until but. the transfer windows open, I don't want to hear about other other types of players, other profiles. Like it's redundant. It's redundant to me. But we do. I, I don't know. I don't know which 
particular people you're speaking about or group people you're speaking about. Everybody can get it. Everyone, everyone. Yeah. But, get it. <laughs> but I think at least with us, with our sort of in our chat or whatnot, we don't we complain about everyone. You see the amount of shit song gets. <laughs> Wigs off now, sweaty. Um I'm sweating that thing. That is a shiny head, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um we can play we've we have we have the you know, talk about Son and all the credit he has in the bank. The amount of slack he's been getting this season from a lot of us, which and rightfully so, he's been getting it as well. Kane's Kane probably should get it a bit more than, than he has been. And you know, I just feel that it is what Sai said about, you know, it should be down to our, you know, upper echelon players to carry the others. I agree with that to a certain extent. I also agree with the fact that we shouldn't have to rely on them to, to constantly carry the squad or the team going forward every time. And I think we've remedied that somewhat with Kulu. But, you know, I always said we need we need a better squad overall to actually um, progress properly. But, I don't think I don't think there is a level of scapegoating. To be honest, he just happens to be in those positions all the time, and, and we expect no more. And it's just jarring to see. I feel personally, it, it, it's frustrating. I get I get just as frustrated as the next person. But when I do see a good ball go in, and you see Son or Kane or Richarlison not make a beeline for the for the back stick, that to me. That to me uh, absolves that particular person of responsibility in that situation. For me, it's on a case by case basis. Over the over the course of a game, you'll have maybe five opportunities where you might be able to get a cross in. Crosses are the most low percentage ball in football. So, again, Perisic, high completion rate. How many assists? Like he's he's not played well either, but he shows some quality. He's got credit in the bank because he's. Ivan Perisic, but he's not played well. He's not played well either. He's not contributed. Sesson Young is starting over him. Sesson Young's arriving on the back post more so than Perisic. Sesson Young's playing balls into, into players more so than Perisic. Getting into positions is half the battle for me. And, and the quality aspect, yes, I'd love to have Walker and Rose back. I'd love it. But when you have a squad in the middle of a season... Got to make do with it. And for me, it's more important to assess on a case-by-case basis as opposed to shifting the goalposts for some players because of how good or how shit they've been. Like, I don't really like that. It's on the performance on the day for me. And and that's where I'll leave that because I'll end up rambling and shit. So, apologies. apologies. No, no, no. I mean, guys, that's, I mean, we took a bit of a, a tangent there. Uh, that wasn't necessarily in the agenda. But... <laughs> It's good to have those conversations and, and to be able to get um, different perspectives on the way the team is shaping up as we go and, or as we you know compete in such a busy month. You know we will have enough games to to look at these players. Um, you know them coming thick and fast. Um, so we, we get the win. Uh, it was a we don't probably need to talk about that second half. Um, Terrible. Where just where, where we thought we were going to press on and and maybe rack up a cricket score. Um, word to Tobes, uh, watched his um, his review of the game uh, early this morning, which is where he went last night. Um, should have been a cricket score, um, especially when they went down to ten men. We end up taking our foot off the gas. We still created a little bit, but we just seem to be happy just to be. 
training, a bit like a training match. Um, just as long as he didn't score too early, we were fine. And those impetus is that I'm just gonna just real quick, guys. Just touching this has already been 54 minutes. Wow. Um, is this do we reckon this is just because the players are like, well, we're free one up, don't need to burn ourselves out with all these games coming up, or was there something fundamentally wrong with our approach? Was it the subs? Where do you put the blame in real quick, maybe in a minute, minute and a half? Where do you put the blame for that second half performance? I think, yeah, taking the foot of the gas, which I, I got no problem with um, in that position, especially when you're, you know, a man up. I think it's fine, generally. Um, I just feel the way the players managed it. Um, and actually, uh, again, I think this is to do with a lack of IQ, potentially. Um, you, and probably Conte as well, as some of the subs weren't exactly uh, fulfilling of that as well. Um, it's the right thing to do as a whole. It's just the execution was poor. I think we just it was just stupidity. And I think we've got that gene in, ingrained in us. Yeah, I mean, I, I did feel like it was, you know, especially in the last 20 minutes or so, was everything about... Everything we hate about Spurs was on show in that. Like, <laughs> this, you know, it's just almost like it's weird because half an hour previously, I'm, I'm watching this, I'm, I pop the ball around. There was one move where we did, I think no one took more than two touches. And I feel like maybe nine out of the 11 players touched, touched the football as it went, you know, from one end of the pitch to the other. And it was beautiful. Everyone's talking about it. And the commentators are celebrating, oh, Spurs are back, Spurs are back. And literally within 30 minutes, we go from that to we cannot, you know, talk about everyone not taking more than two touches. We couldn't make two, three passes. And I was like, is this the same game? I think I think those those, those situations. And I know, obviously, when when you watch your own team and it happens more than once, it gets stigmatized and all of that. But that's how football works, man. Last last fifteen minutes, last fifteen minutes, a game will get touchy if you concede sloppy goals, and ultimately, uh, we can't defend set pieces still to this day. Yeah. Um, we we're fucking awful at defending corners. Um, and again, that's part of the reason why my patience with Romero sometimes dwindles because I'm like, dude, you got to do better in that situation. But um, that withstanding, I think one one of the issues is we're not we're not good at controlling territory with the ball, right? We're not good at that. So when you when you were having success with a very particular fast up-tempo style of play and you slow it all down and you have people not playing on instinct who aren't technically gifted, then that's what happens. You see sloppiness creep in, you see guys overthinking. And then obviously there's other factors like fatigue. I don't think these players are particularly fit, if I'm totally honest. Um, they are playing a lot of minutes. And then on top of that, some of the changes, switching from a 3-4-3 from a to a 3-5-2 to then go back to 3-4-3 again over the course of a game to me is a little bit ridiculous. I know he probably tried to to maintain that sort of control in midfield by changing the players around around <laughs> I'll say and then obviously um yeah ultimately I think he just realized oh shit this isn't working. We're not establishing any more control, even though we're packing the midfield. So let's go back to what we were doing before. And then two 
two shit opportunities uh, to kill the game off. And yeah, the rest is history. It ends up being all, 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 all nervy again. Yeah, it was, it was unnecessarily nervous. Um, the old saying, a game of two halves comes to mind, but it was almost like a game of um, thirds because we had that first third when we were struggling and, and you know, not realising what they were doing. Um, and, you know, obviously let them score. Then we have this middle period where we, we go for it um, and, and we get the three goals, we're coasting, we're, we're nice. And then after, funny enough, after the, the sending off, actually, in some ways, it got worse. Um, but here we are. We get the win. Um, like I said, Kane could have finished it off for us. We could have scored that second penalty, which I think has now finally um, come down from the height uh, with snow on it. Um, Rumour is it landed in Tope's back garden when he arrived home. Um, fuming, <laughs> as we all know from the group He chat. was so pissed off. Right, Top, right. Top, tops well, off well, any sort of stressful football game is the funniest person on the planet. <laughs> but I've, I've coached alongside him then in some, some dark times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to see how, you know, we still have to maybe just, well, we all know the squad needs help. But how we can just maybe um, improve with the, the players that we do have, our ability to control games, and maybe is as Tobes says um, about not bringing on two bozos. Um, I think he's probably talking about Lucas Moura there. Um, who is the other bozo? Is he talking about uh, Brian Hill? Hill. I don't know. I hope not about Brian Hill. He, he, he did well for the pen. Good yeah, thing. I mean, like. Yeah, he, he had a shaky moment, but he wasn't running the ball off the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like he wasn't um, doing a GLC, let's just say. Yeah, we've seen Bozo. Ah, oh, he said Sanchez. Oh, was it Sanchez? Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Forgot yeah. he came on. Oh lord. Right, guys. Um, we just mentioned him, Brian Heen, uh, the Edmonton Beetle. Um, Brian Hilliger. Yeah, we're going to start. Oasis, Oasis oh, it's clear, so. it's clear that the um, the Beatles went to Spain. And Ringo Starr had a kid, and this is him. Um, <laughs> what are we saying about him? Do we think he is? He's got the potential. I know, Sai, you mentioned earlier that he he played in the last game when he came on. He looked like a year six um, footballer. Now I I'm ahead of year. Funny enough, ahead of year six. So I just want to apologise to any of the year sixes listening um, to this, even though they're way up, little boys. Get your way, way up. Yeah. Um, what we're saying about season. what we're saying about Brian Heath, guys. Um, do we think there is a future? There? Are we going to see more of him moving forward? Is he mm. going into that position of you know second, third sub? Um, what do we reckon? I can't see him. <laughs> breaking through properly. I can't see him uh, adapting to the Premier League the way we want him to. And I think, yeah, Toby just said it, he's weak. He, he is built like a he's built like a short giraffe. I don't know what, I don't even know what, what analogy to use. He is, he's just not, he's not adept. He's got great, we saw glimpses last season, I think in the Conference League as well, of his, you know, he can carry a ball, he's got good feet, you know, he's, He's very combative in in some ways, but he's too weak to actually be that 
if you, if if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, it's one of the ones but, where he's, he's buzzing around and then he, he he's, just he's aggressive. He just he's he's aggr- the around and go what? <laughs> <laughs> he just gets brushed off so easily, and um, yeah, I think I just he's just I get Jack Clark vibes. You know, I get someone that's just not gonna. He's played more than him, to be fair, but he's just someone that's yeah. just gonna just gonna be sent back out again, and then won't see the day of light again at Spurs. So, yeah, I think I think we've probably just got to move on mentally from having any kind of hope. So, I mean, for a couple of weeks ago, the timeline were clamouring to see him, and I said on the pod with Owen, I was like, listen. We do this every time we get a young player. Every single time. They become like pitched as the second coming of Christ. And then they get two opportunities. They stink it up. Everyone groans when they misplace passes. It's doomed. It's doomed. Just forget about it. Like, leave it alone. If he comes good, is he going to be better than Marcus Edwards? No. So there you go. That, that it- That's my opinion on it. God's on it, truth. We've seen better homegrown talent not get a sniff. This kid is not strong enough. I don't feel like he has the quality or the or the time to develop the quality to be a first teamer long term. So he's filling squad numbers at the moment. He's getting garbage minutes by and large. Um, if he contributes, cool. I'll cheer him like the next man, but. I have zero stocks in this kid. Zero. And it's not to be harsh on him. I want young players to be successful, have long careers, all of that. But, yeah, there's there's nothing that I see from him that says this guy will be a stalwart at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Nothing it's, at all. It's that saviour syndrome we've got as fans, isn't it? It's, you know, when someone, when, you, when a group of players or a few players aren't playing well, it's this guy's going to be the hero. This guy's going to come in and save the day. It's always the case. They're doing it with Spence. Uh, I think they're doing it with Matt, Matt Doherty as well. No one's going to save that right wing back position. So, and, and it's the same with, <laughs> you know, when, when you know, Kulu or Kane or Son are off form or, or injured. These guys aren't going to save us. You just have, if, if, if that's happening, we just got to accept that fate. They're not going to play well. It is what it is and we should have done better in a window, but, that's again the conversation, but um, yeah, we we the window shopper. I tell you, man, this I'm gonna, thing, man, I am the biggest window shopper. I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to bring uh, names. You're gonna have to bring names next time, man. I will. I'll, I'll bring my notepad ready. Yeah, take some notes for me. But no, uh, Brian Hill. Credit to him. He looked better yesterday. I think uh, the mustache previously was weighing him down a bit. <laughs> he did look discernibly better, but yeah. Um, it is what it is. He didn't look any better than what Lucas Moore has been offering us over the years, man. Like, I'll keep it a buck. It's interesting. I feel like every time he posts on Instagram, he's posting that he's in the gym. I think he knows that everyone is calling him um, <clears throat> or, or everyone knows that. Yeah, I think he knows that everyone knows he needs to bulk up um, if he's going to have any chance of doing anything in the um in, 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 in the Spurs uh, lineup, um, maybe he can get a, a weight a workout plan from Tapping Topes. Um, <laughs> I think he needs a bit of ketchup. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the one ingredient. Yeah, maybe he needs to bring back ketchup for him. Um, well, protein infused, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so, again, you know, it wouldn't be um, 
obviously Harry Kane, he's, he's in good form. Um, he's scored eight league goals in nine. Um, decent. So you could say he maybe needs a bit more away from the penalty spot. He's missed Fine. two this season. Say again? He's missed two this season. He has missed two this season, but he's also scored about 59 out of 65 or whatever the stat Don't was. Don't care. Don't care. I'm, I'm all right with that, with him going forward. Two in a season. Um, it's a lot, man. Kane and the Bayern links, right? What are we, what are we saying? Um, do we think there's anything to it? You know, he's come out and just said, ah, oh, you know, yeah, they're a very, very good club. Is there anything to it or is it just PSA? He's comfy. You know, he's comfy where he is. He wants that record. He wants to stay in the league. Uh, I don't see him as a player that's got that drive and ambition to go abroad, to learn a new language, to learn a new culture, to adapt. I don't think he's... Him, him speaking German <laughs> is the funniest shit in my... <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll get I'll get flamed on the timeline if I do it, but... Say the... Um, I will hear it, mate. <laughs> what, was it? what was it called? Nach der Untoten or something. Just imagine oh, him God. saying that. Guys, don't. Oh, my God. Just leave it. Just leave it alone. <laughs> leave it alone, lads. We'll get cancelled. Vorsprung Dutch technique. There, there's there, there's a lot to Harry Kane that just flatters to deceive for me. I'll, I'll be I'll be totally honest. I think he'll he'll go down as one of the greatest play, uh, well, greatest strikers in Premier League history from a record standpoint. And I think he really values that. So, as a as Sting aptly aptly put, I don't think he leaves the Premier League uh, because he is extremely close to the Premier League goal scoring record. And ultimately, if you are an English player who's had the career that he's had and you have to go abroad to win anything and you finish your English playing career without a single English domestic trophy, then I think you look at your career and you say, I failed. And I don't. I, I, I think he's more likely to leave on a free and go to a rival than he is to go abroad uh, just to win. Because he'll be he'll be what thirty three when his contract is up. I don't see it happening. Don't interesting. see it. Interesting, interesting. Uh, we can we can move on. We can move on to the Everton preview. Uh, shout out to all those in the comments. Uh, shout out to Ian who liked and subscribed. Uh, it says it's his 49th birthday today. If it is, happy birthday. Um, hopefully you got what you wanted. Um, let's look at ahead to Everton. Um, we're at home um, 5.30 another 5.30 game what's our expectations guys um, Jack I'm going to go to you first what do you think ahead of this game we probably you know we probably can agree that we're all expecting a 3-4-3 three, three, three. Um, no more wigs <laughs> um, <clears throat> but what do you think score wise and, and what should you know yeah, what's your feeling for this game? I'm feeling that first half against Frankfurt, similar job. Um, 3-4-3, press high, win the ball early and cut them open in more advanced positions. Um, that's what we want. I think Kulu's going to be back or he's going to at least be back in the squad. Um, I hope he starts. I hope, to be honest, I think, um, I don't know what the extent of the injury was ultimately, but if he can start and if he can get you know get that sharpness pretty quickly early on in the game, 
I think that's something that we can we could do with. But we, we do have United on, on Wednesday as well, which I'm going to. Um, but so um, I think I think with a front three of Kane, Son, Richie, Richie against his old club as well. I think you know, having him knowing them and probably hopefully he can actually get a goal. Because uh, I was promised that uh, fifteen goals uh, for a sixty million pound man, um, and yeah, just win that ball early, get it up there, and you know th- this isn't a team that's that's going to be a threat in behind. We shouldn't worry about sitting back at all, and I think the owner should be on us to have the ball oh, a lot more as well. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that side. Do you reckon we're going to see a more confident performance in the sense of us playing a bit higher up the pitch, uh, winning the ball back higher, hitting them, um, not necessarily on the counter, but actually just creating chances, you know, with that creativity that you mentioned earlier? <laughs> oh, man. If, if, if you guys make that running thing, I'm flaming everyone. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, um, Everton at home is a fixture that I actually quite enjoy. Um, for some reason, over the years, even before the season ticket, I, I used to always end up at those fixtures and we used to wallop them. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect nothing less, to be perfectly honest. Anyone in the North Stand, make sure you uh, sing the sign-on song because they get absolutely rattled. Um, and that's just a pro tip for the atmosphere of the game. But no... Uh, I, I definitely agree. If we go with the three-four-three, we need to um, we need to press higher up the pitch. We need to be a bit braver, and we can't really we can't really do that whole sit off and try and hit them on the break um, because Not I, I, yeah, I, I I just don't really see the um, the value in doing that. I I do hope that we rotate a little bit, but again, it's it's. It's Conte, man. Like he sticks to his tried and tested lieutenants. We will see Hoybier and Bentecourt start. Um, I'm not going to make a predict- prediction uh, a la Wiggate, but yeah, we, we we should win comfortably. So I'm saying probably about a three nil um, is what I'm what I'm hoping for at the very least. Yeah, just comfy. Yeah. Just keep I'm, it comfy. I'm looking at the. The lineup from their last game. Uh Amari Gray. Uh Iwobi in midfield. He's actually playing well. He is. He is. Credit to him. He might he might run the show against us, to be honest. Iwobi in midfield. Um Anthony, uh, well, Gordon is suspended for this game. Fifty million pound Gordon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Them Everton prices are hitting, boy. Fund, funded, funded by Richarlison to Spurs, mate. Yeah, <laughs> guys, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like it should be a comfy win. Um, three nil, two nil, three nil. Um, I don't see them creating enough clear cut chances to really break us down. Um, if if they do score, it will be definitively a, you know, you know, the mistakes leading to a goal. Um, obviously there's mistakes all the way through a defensive breakdown, but. I just can't see. I just can't see how they're going to be able to create enough pressure over ninety minutes to get a positive result. Um, and hopefully, you know, the lads see it as an opportunity for for us to to maintain our position. Um, 
we may have to wait for the top two to drop some points um, to start going a bit higher. But, you know, there is a um, fourth and fifth are trying to creep up. And I feel like it is important that we do get these points, especially in this month of October for the World Cup, um, to go from there. Score predictions, quickly. Yeah, 3-1. Yeah. Sorry, don't worry, we weren't actually to where we... Yeah, 3-0, 3-0. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, all three of the front three do their bit and play a fucking uh, five-yard pass that connects with their man. Just need to see that at some point over the next couple of weeks. That automated shit. Yeah. All that automation, man. Guys, here we are. Another another busy week at the lane. Um, it's been great chopping it up. And this is what the NSO is all about, the new Spurs order. We don't hold back. We don't all subscribe to the same view. Some of us see creativity where others don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's all good. Sai, Jack, uh, it's been great having you on. Um, Let me just do a quick shout-out for the socials. Guys, do make sure you're following us on all social platforms, at new Spurs order. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and obviously here on YouTube. Spotify, listening, wherever you're listening. Tell your uncle, tell your cousin, tell your best friend that we are live and direct every single Saturday. These episodes are dropping. Um, it's been great. Sai, Jack, I'll see you in the group chat. Um, and until next week, guys, peace out. Peace. Peace. And has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.